We got some more wild trades in the NBA. Welcome back to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves who acquired star center Rudy Gobert. The defensive anchor is on the move. We're going to talk about how that impacts both the Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz. Also touch on Malcolm Brogdon signing and doing a trade situation to end up with the Boston Celtics. So for the Utah Jazz side of things, they're unloading a lot in Rudy Gobert. He was basically their defense for several years, but they had reached their peak with Rudy. They had peaked out as about a second round exit. And obviously Rudy Gobert is an extremely limited player. And you can see that a little bit in space on the defensive side of the ball, but more so offensively, he's just not much of a threat for consistent offense. So paying that type of guy, the amount of money that they were paying him and seeing that it wasn't going to yield anywhere near level of a championship team they decided to move on from him and build around Donovan Mitchell because at the end of the day elite shot creation and offense is very very important in this modern game and that's the type of player you want to build around not a Rudy Gobert type of piece so they flipped him and they got a lot of assets in return they got three unprotected first round picks 2023 2025 and 2027 they also got a top five protected pick in 2029 they also were able to acquire this year's first round pick in Kessler. And then you have uh, Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly getting thrown into that deal. So a lot of pieces and assets going to the Utah Jazz way. And it allows them to set up for kind of a retooling or rebuilding situation. It's looking like from all reports that they still want to build around Donovan, but they do have potential to blow the whole thing up and just commit to a full rebuild. But this is going to be a very, very interesting couple of months. And, and honestly, really soon the Utah Jazz could be looking to make another move because there's been rumblings about DeAndre Aiden, the potential sign-in trade. So that's something to keep your eyes on. But for the Minnesota Timberwolves side of things, this is very, very exciting. Yes, you basically gave up something that resembles a Kevin Garnett type of trade package in, in the middle of his prime. But – you were able to pair two top five caliber centers in Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is more than equipped to play power forward. He is a lethal shooter from distance, the best big man shooter in today's game, and it's not even close. And he could still do his work out of the post. He's going to command all of the offensive attention in terms of big men because Rudy Gobert simply just doesn't have anywhere near the offensive game that Carl Anthony Towns has. So that spot is secure. But where Towns is lacking is on the defensive end, and Rudy Gobert can help shore that up. He can be a true rim protector. He can be an enforcer inside, and that's much needed for a Minnesota Timberwolves team that has struggled on the defensive side of the ball. You have Anthony Edwards as well, who also resembles Donovan Mitchell in a lot of ways on the perimeter as a shot creator. So that's a very interesting dynamic to look at for him. And then there's still a hole at point guard, depending on what you do with D'Angelo Russell. If you do keep D'Angelo Russell, that is a playmaker that can allow Rudy Gobert some lob opportunities, although he's not going to, again, command that much on the offensive side of the ball. But if they do end up moving D'Angelo and they don't address that point guard position, I would be a little bit concerned that Rudy Gobert would basically have no impact on offense outside of getting offensive rebounds and setting screens. But at the end of the day, I think Minnesota knows that they're not expecting much from him on offense. Defensively, they just need him to absolutely lock down. And when you're talking about committing 
to going all in to win. This is exactly what the Minnesota Timberwolves did. Those first round picks, they already have an established core. They have two guys in Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns who are about to get massive paydays. Towns already got his. Edwards is expected to get his very, very soon. And at that point, you have basically a core to build off of. You don't really need these level of draft picks anymore. You can go out there and get an established star. You still have some very, very nice role players. And you could try to contend for maybe a conference finals appearance. You know, I mean, I'm not saying this is going to be a finals team, a championship team, but you could definitely contend in ways that you haven't really to the same degree in years past. You got a taste of the postseason this past year, and you can make that next step. You really could basically replace the Utah Jazz and maybe even be a little bit better than what the Utah Jazz have been the past, excuse me, the past couple years. Uh, you still want to make sure you have enough perimeter defense, you know, because that's been another one of the things that Gobert's fans like to say, like he didn't have any help on the perimeter, which is valid to an extent. I mean, Royce O'Neal was solid, but outside of that, not much. And it doesn't really look like you have too much on the wing defense front for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's going to be probably a little bit better than what Utah had, to be honest. And offensively, it's night and day, given the pieces that can create their own shot. And it's not just relying on it, Anthony Edwards. You also have Carl Anthony Towns in the picture. So that will be interesting. Uh, I like that trade for both teams. If anyone is the winner of the trade, I would definitely say the Utah Jazz getting that many unprotected picks for, as we said, a guy making a ridiculous amount of money, limited in several aspects of his game, and you've reached your peak with him, and he's only got a couple more years left, and Utah is clearly not in position to do anything crazy like compete for an NBA championship. The next trade I wanted to address was the Boston Celtics and the Indiana Pacers. They were able to, the Celtics that is, land a true playmaker, a point guard that can make plays for himself and for others. He's a pretty good shooter from the outside, and he will now be the starting point guard most likely for the Seas, and that is Malcolm Brogdon from the Indiana Pacers. And they basically gave up nothing, if we're being honest. They gave up a 2023 first-round pick. Does not matter for the Celtics because they are in win-now mode. They just made the NBA Finals. They need a little bit more of a punch on offense, and they got that. And they also didn't have to sacrifice defense in the process because Malcolm Brogdon is a very good on-the-ball defender. So they got that, and they only had to give up Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, and a first-round pick. So nothing of value, nobody of the key rotation. Like, what a phenomenal move for the Boston Celtics. Now, Aaron Neesmith's a solid player. I, I do think that... He has a lot of potential as a shooter, and he can play pretty good defense. If you're in a rebuilding situation with Indiana, that's a solid piece to have. The draft pick is solid, but I kind of find it hard to believe that no team in the NBA that was looking for contention, looking for a point guard, a floor general like that, couldn't have given up a package uh, to get someone like a Malcolm Brogdon. So that was very eye-opening to me. But for the Boston Celtics, they did have to make a move, in my opinion, to stay atop the Eastern Conference, and am I ready to definitively say that this move makes the Boston Celtics better than the Milwaukee Bucks or even a team like the Philadelphia 76ers? I don't know if I can say that, but they're definitely at that tier one. Like, I can't definitively right now put any team in the NBA over the Boston Celtics, although, man, that man Giannis, he is a different breed, 
And <laughs> until I see uh, a team stop the healthy Milwaukee Bucks, I'm still going to hold them in high regard. But we'll see. Boston's looking loaded, and that should be a really fun season in the Eastern Conference, especially with the whole KD and Kyrie thing. It's looking like Brooklyn's making their way out. You have other teams making their way in. The Atlanta Hawks also. Let's talk about that. Acquiring DeJounte Murray. I really like that pickup for the Hawks. I think Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are going to be an absolutely deadly backcourt. You have DeJounte Murray providing you playmaking, another ball handler, another guy that can create for himself and others next to Trey Young. But more than anything, he's going to be an elite-level defender. He led the league in steals. He's a great point of attack on the ball defender. He's a pest. He can also help out in the passing lanes. He can block shots. So versatile, so athletic on that side of the ball. And that's exactly who you need next to Trey Young to allow him to not have to worry about the defense because you know how much of a hub he is offensively. And DeJounte can even help a little bit on the offensive end as well. Attacking the basket, kicking the open shooters. It's just going to be great. People talk about, oh, they're both ball dominant. How are they going to coexist when they're both averaging eight plus assists? They're going to be just fine, in my opinion. You got two very smart, high IQ basketball players. It can unlock an ability for Trey Young to play without the basketball. I don't think he's some phenomenal off-ball player. Maybe he can develop into that, but he can be good enough, especially now finally having a guy that he can rely on to handle the ball so he can play off the ball because they haven't consistently had that in Atlanta. So I'm very excited for what this could potentially unlock. And the Hawks are definitely not done. They also traded Kevin Herter. Got some defense in there. They got both the Holiday brothers, not Drew, but Aaron and Justin now. They got Mo Harkless. Uh, they got a draft pick. And there's still potential for John Collins to be moved and for them to get another big-name player. So I'm really looking at the Hawks right now, and I really like what they do. I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack playoff team in the Eastern Conference. I think Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, if you look at how elite this tandem could be, you could very well be looking at a top three backcourt in the NBA. And dare I say, depending on how Klay Thompson looks next year and whatnot, you could make a legitimate argument if everything pans out next season that Trey Young and DeJounte Murray could be the best backcourt in all of basketball. So I like that. And then the Spurs are basically committing to a rebuild. They got some first-round draft picks, which is cool. Uh, and they'll they'll be looking maybe to – get the sweepstakes for the next top prospect in future years. But definitely a win now move for the Hawks that I really, really love to see. So that's going to do it. More trades are on the way. We're just getting started with NBA free agency. I'm out, y'all. Peace.